This week on the Fieldhouse Files, I'm talking with Drew Anthrop, head video coordinator of the Lakers. After playing four years at Purdue under Coach Painter, his opportunity to work in professional basketball began in Indianapolis with the Pacers. And welcome back into the Fieldhouse Files, the podcast where I take you behind the scenes with the Pacers, talk to individuals on and around the team, and tell you what you need to know. Hi again, everybody. I'm Scott Agnes, and I have another special one in store for you today. We're not even a month removed now from the 2019-20 season, and yet <laughs> next season's already fast approaching. But the only date we have set to this point is the draft scheduled for November 18th. And just a reminder, of course, the Pacers currently do not own a first-round pick. That belongs to the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the sign-and-trade deal they made with the Milwaukee Bucks more than a year ago for Malcolm Brogdon. But it is growing likely that free agency will then start soon after, and then training camps to follow on December 1st. We'll hit on all that in an upcoming episode. But today, you'll be hearing from an NBA champion. He's from Lafayette, attended Central Catholic High School. He was on the Purdue basketball team from 2009 to 13, was voted a team captain. And that, of course, is Drew Anthrop, the head video coordinator for the Lakers. Now, after graduating from Purdue, he joined the Pacers for two years from 2013 to 15. So he was right there in the thick of things behind the scenes for the best Pacers teams of that decade, the ones that went to the Eastern Conference Finals. He worked behind the scenes, mostly in the video room, but also with players on the court. After those couple of years, he went to St. John's, joining former Pacer Chris Mullen's staff. And then a year later, rejoined, reconnected with Frank Vogel. That was down in Orlando after the Pacers elected not to give him an extension. So Anthrop joined Vogel down in Orlando as the special assistant to the head coach. But he was basically doing those same things, helping players in the video room and helping Frank Vogel in whatever capacity he needed for the day. And then when Vogel was fired and chose to sit out for a season, Drew joined the Memphis Grizzlies as the assistant video coordinator and a player development assistant. He then moved in-state and was a video coordinator for one season for the Vanderbilt men's basketball team in Nashville. But then he got back with Vogel the following season for this past year, 2019-20, went with him to the Lakers as the head video coordinator. That is a significant title and the route many coaches use to become coaches, right? Frank Vogel, Eric Spolstra, and Dan Craig down in Miami. All of them got their start and several more in the video room. I wanted to have Drew on the show to obviously talk about the bubble and being part of a championship-winning team, of course. But more than that, I wanted to talk to him about his experience in the NBA, his time with the Pacers, and earning a highly coveted spot in the NBA. But before we get into that, here's just a reminder of how you can help me out and help this show out by getting this podcast in front of more Pacer fans. First of all, make sure you're subscribed to the show on your favorite podcasting platform, Apple, Spotify, to name the top two most popular. And then also, if you could go to ratethispodcast.com slash Fieldhouse Files and leave a review. If you leave a five-star review, I'll be sure to mention you on an upcoming show. All right, as promised, I now welcome in Drew Anthrop, the video coordinator of the Los Angeles Lakers. He's been with Frank Vogel for quite a while now. And of course, Drew, you're an NBA champion. So champ, welcome to the show, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Scott. I appreciate that. Looking back, you had to leave family, leave your home in Los Angeles and face the uncertainty and all that was part of the NBA bubble there in Orlando. And I've talked with many people about it for months now. And most of all, I'm curious, other than winning, 
what will you remember most about your experience and things you had to learn on the fly? And immediately I think about the importance of having a great internet connection just to get your daily work completed. Uh, for me, you know, I think something that I'll remember for a long time about the bubble was uh, the preparation and the amount of people and collaboration it took to put that on. And it, it really was remarkable, uh, you know, for me and what my role is. You know, I had to work with our other video guys. I had to work with our uh, IT department, had to work with our coaching staff. And, you know, the normal workflow of how things go uh, had to completely change. And so it was extremely difficult to try and think of solutions to problems that didn't exist yet going into a bubble that's never been done before. Um, you know, I was on a call or an email chain with all the other head video coordinators in the NBA, and we were voicing our concerns and things that, you know, everything that we needed as each team. And then they put it together as like, Hey, here, here's stuff that everybody needs. You know, we have to have strong Wi-Fi everywhere on campus. We have to be able to connect our computers, every locker room, um, you know, with limited bodies behind the bench, uh, in the practice arenas, you know, we needed, you know, filming platforms because, uh, you know, the gyms were in, giant conference ballrooms, you know, for practice and training camp. Um, and so for me, like that preparation and that piece of it was, was difficult and memorable, just trying to put together what we thought would work best. And then, you know, obviously once you get in there and um, being around everybody and seeing the collaborative effort that it took from everybody top to bottom, uh, not only doing their job and what they actually were brought in to do, but also, uh, helping out wherever necessary, wherever they could. Um, it was the ultimate, you know, team effort to get get things done, and I'm sure every single team felt that um, from everybody who was in the bubble for them. And here's a perfect example of those, like, inside basketball, having concern for you and other people in that area is, I think, your first-round opponent. Um, you didn't know till like, the day before, two days before that. So you and, and other people on staff have to be concerned with scouting, I, I forget what it was, two or three different teams to uh, be prepared was, for every was, one of yeah. them. It was very difficult. Like, you know, we were we were one seed for most of the year in in the West, and um, you know everything's great. And going into the COVID break before the bubble became a thing, uh, you know, we had to prepare as if there wasn't going to be the more games on the season. You know, what if the playoffs started? You know, first game back was boom, playoffs. Who are we playing? We're playing Memphis Grizzlies. Okay, and so part of something that Coach Vogel did a great job with. Uh, over the break to keep everybody's basketball minds going and uh, having projects um, to, you know, continue our self-improvement was he wanted to do a, a mock playoff preparation day. And so obviously that means quite a bit of work for, uh, you know, the video guys. So myself, our assistant, uh, John Pastoric and Greg St. Jean, who's our advanced scout, who's phenomenal in his role and uh, everything that he did during the uh, playoff push but you know we pretty much put our heads together and we talked with coach and we came up with a uh, a format that we thought would work and you know once he gave us a stamp of approval then you know went to the coaches who had Memphis throughout the year get their input and then we just started once we got these edit lists together and uh, we just started piecing everything together and put together what the scouting report would look like um, how it would function for the players on their iPads or video to support everything. And uh, that piece right there was huge for us when it came time to our, our uh, you know, a deep playoff run. 
is that we already had a template of what it should look like. And uh, it was <laughs> it was a nightmare, I'm not going to lie to you, yeah. getting ready. And we had four different teams that we could possibly play. And so you have to have the exact same quality and in-depth work uh, for all of them. And so like as each one got eliminated, we're like, okay, great. Take those 40 gig of data and just put them in the hard drive and hang on to that for later. And uh, just keep going. It's like preparing for a test that you end up not having to take, but you still have to prepare for it like it's your SATs or something over here. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, it brought back shades of, you know, college. Sure. Where it's like, okay, well, you go to the Big Ten tournament or you go to the NCAA tournament and you can play one of two teams. Now, okay, you can sit there and say, yes, this team should win, but there's a reason you play the game. And you have to be ready no matter what happens. And so you take a little element of that, but just on a much grander scale. Pacer fans are obviously familiar, I think, at least with your name and the Anthrop family. Uh, what you you and your family was able to do at Purdue, you obviously playing from 2009 to 13, and then joined on with the Pacers in a, a basketball film coordinating intern role for a couple of seasons. Did you know, or, or when did you know maybe you wanted to get in and work professionally in basketball and move in a path towards coaching? Uh, you know, for, for me, basketball has always been a constant in my life you know both my parents uh you know my dad played basketball and baseball at purdue and my mom played uh, tennis and volleyball uh throughout high school and you know she went to purdue as well and you know our sports has always been such a, a huge piece of our family and you know the things that we care about and uh, you know the lessons and the work ethic that it takes um and there were coaches you know my dad was my first coach and all the way from when i was third grade through high school uh, as an assistant coach and my mom coached tennis and volleyball um, while I was growing up and um, so that was always like there in the back of my mind but I didn't know it was something that was going to interest me until I finished playing and so you know after I got done playing ball at Purdue I had a meeting with coach Paint because I just you know I just wanted to talk with somebody who wasn't related to me who would keep it real and very honest which he always did um, and just talk about like what's next, you know, what, what could be out there. And, and I, I went to Craner business school and, you know, I had a few classes and things that interest me, but for the most part, I thought to myself, if this is what I have to do, uh, when I get out in the real world, I'm not sure if this is what I would consider a passion. So, uh, I remember meeting with coach paint and I told him that uh, I would love to try and stick around in basketball in some capacity. doesn't have to be college level or NBA level, but, you know, if there was anything with him at Purdue or with the Pacers, uh, that would be an awesome step. And he knew one of the scouts, and obviously I built a, a trusting relationship with him throughout my four years there. Uh, and he was willing to make a call for me and see if they had anything available. And uh, so I called. And I had like a, a good talk with Ryan Carr for a while, who's you know their college scout, and um, that went well. And he gave my name and resume to Hanson Wong. The, tenured video coordinator and my first boss yeah um, and now he's and growing in a, in a role scouting around the world that's actually right. so that's yep. been fun to see too yeah he's grown and, and you know they promoted him into his new role and um you know so i still remember interviewing with hansen at the dunkin donuts inside the arena man i miss and, that uh, too by the way drew we it's, have it's nothing gone. now it's not there anymore it's not there anymore there's nothing that's replaced it that started out as a starbucks was duncan and now they just expanded the gift shop so we, we lack coffee at the field house oh wow 
man, that was that was one of my daily roles was to check with the coaches, see if anybody was buying Duncan that day. <laughs> Who's so, paying so I, then you can make the run and then get it paid for? That's right. There you go. That's right. I fly, I fly, they buy. That was always the role. I like that. <laughs> well, so it's one thing to get you in the door, like Coach Painter was able to do, but then you ran with it. And that's what impressed me about not just that first year with the Pacers, but then from there on out, actually. What you were able to do, impress with the Pacers, and you spent a year at, at St. John's as a graduate assistant, and then clearly build up some sweat equity with Frank Vogel. And so when the Pacers moved on from him, he went to Orlando and you went with him. Why do you feel like you guys were able to instantly connect and then, of course, landing again with Frank when he took the Lakers job a year ago? Yeah, I mean, Coach Vogel, he's a not only is he a good coach, he's an even better person. And when you're able to spend time with him and, you know, when you travel or you, you know, you get to have conversations with people like someone of his his caliber and quality as a person, uh, you know, it's easy to connect with and he's got a great sense of humor and, um, you know, so there's all kinds of things that are pretty funny that happen that you can connect with. But ultimately when, for that job, when it comes down to it is, um, you know, what kind of, what kind of person are you with work ethic and, you know, are you, uh, you know, great in your role and, and what they ask you to do, no matter what that is. And, you know, that was something that's, you know, I always try to do is, you know, mesh and get along with all different personalities because there are quite a few when you get to that level at the NBA, uh, whether it's players, um, coaches, other video guys, you name it. Um, but along the lines of coach, you know, it was luckily for me, the Pacers were such a, a small staff that you're actually able to contribute and uh, do a lot of things. And so that was something I think helped me. Um, you know, as the only intern helped me to be able to build a relationship with uh, a lot of the coaches there. I know a lot of times here with the Pacers, an intern will essentially maybe even be assigned to a coach, right? So previous experiences, let's say Dan Burke would have a guy or Popeye Jones previously would have a guy. Were you Frank's guy? Maybe even? Uh, not, at, not at the time. No, uh, okay. You know, my main roles were clipping games at night, coming back at night to help rebound for players, you know, filling in. You know, early on, you know, if they needed extra bodies on the floor, I'd be out there and play pickup. I remember playing one of the first few days on the job because they only had eight players. And so me and one of the other video guys had to jump in so they could play 5 on 5 You know, just being able to field, you know, field different voids um, is, a, is a huge piece of being a video guy. Um, being able to be on the floor, off the floor, you know, have, have a detail-oriented work ethic. And... At the time, we didn't really do scouts that way. Um, eventually, as video rooms grew and you could match like a, a, an intern or a video guy with an assistant coach, um, you know, that's what we did here with the, with the Lakers. That's what I've seen done at a couple other places. And you just build a, a relationship and a workflow that it, it helps because, you you know, you get to actually have conversations and game plan and put together different edits and things Um and I think that helps you grow tremendously. So um, I wasn't necessarily somebody's guy at the time or, yeah. you know, to use that term, but you're they're available for anybody. And I thought what's cool, too, is in your time you spent a year after Orlando able to go to Memphis. Again, it's it's really difficult, too, by the way, to get these jobs. So people should know, like, for you to, to bounce around and get each one of these is, is very impressive. But you had a year off, uh, I believe, in Memphis, and there you also added technically a, a player development assistant um, role, which anybody in, in 
um, basketball knows kind of video coordinator in some capacities, even a player development. But is that maybe a, another next step for you more towards coaching role? Is that kind of the next step you're, you're aspiring yeah. to work towards? Yeah. I, I mean, to me, the term video coordinator is a little, a little dated with yeah. uh, all the new technologies and the way the role has uh, evolved over time. You know, it's not, you're not just hitting record at practice and hitting stop and handing it to the coach and, and leaving. Like you, you are responsible for a tremendous amount of things and you know, what, what they do trust you with, you know, it has to be done right and it has to be done quickly and it has to be done well. And, you know, for me, I, like you said, I was lucky. Uh, I was lucky to land on in Orlando. It was kind of the, my role as special assistant to the head coach, but it was a coach's way to, uh, you know, it's Frank's way to get another video guy in the door who could also, you know, help with other things, you know, so I was still doing full-time video work, but I was also doing stuff for him. And, uh, you know, I was helping on the floor, traveling with the team, uh, doing things like that. And that's where I got to meet, uh, Chad Vorsier, who came from the Spurs and nice. I helped him in a former Pacers throughout assistant, the year the with scouts. Yeah. Yes. And so, you know, I was the guy who broke down his film and would help him with, you know, scouting reports and different things and just being a supportive role on those. And I built a, a relationship with him over those two years. And when he got on with Memphis, he was able to, uh, you know, take my resume and slide it in front of JV Bickerstaff and, you know, say, Hey, if we have any sort of assistant video role, at least give this guy a call and see what you think. And luckily that interview went well and I was able to land a, you know, another one in Memphis. Why do you think you've been able to seamlessly go from one team to the another and clearly fit in and build a, a strong rapport wherever you go, whether it's in Indy or Orlando or now with the Lakers? I, I mean, it's to me, it's just a little bit of luck with, mixed with, have being fortunate to work with a lot of really good people and you know the the Pacers always have hired quality people and you know that's that was something that stood out to me there was you know the the type of people that they did bring in into their culture and that's where I started with a bunch of these different relationships um and then just every spot you know if you just you work hard do what you're supposed to and yeah a lot um, of it's also busting your ass and they see you doing that yeah 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 you I mean the, the more you, that you do and the more people see you work and, um, you know, they value that everybody does, then, um, then you're able to build that relationship in that, um, you know, that, you know, you're just able to see different sides of basketball and different sides of people and you can connect and it just helps you build those relationships. You've experienced something special, too, and being part of a championship team, but also being in a massive market in Los Angeles compared to these smaller markets. How do, how do games feel? How, what's the big game feel like each night for, say, a Lakers game compared to your previous experiences? How different is it? Like you, you talk about different games being big. And, like you know, this year our first game was against the Clippers, and it was crazy. It was sold out. But, you know, the workflow that, I, that I've come accustomed to and, um, that so as coach, you know, that's the way we tailor everything is to fit our coaching staff and uh, Coach Vogel. Like, you know, after being with him for a couple different places for a few seasons, you know, you already know what kind of stuff he's looking for, how he's gonna, how his workflow is gonna go, and you can start to anticipate needs, and um, that brings a level of comfort to uh, his game planning. And so, you know, having that in my as a background uh, really helped me prepare to be here. I think the fun thing that I've enjoyed is how Frank really hasn't changed, at least from what I've seen over all these years. Still relentlessly optimistic, 
still believes in, in big-time defense, and that was a huge part of you guys winning the title. But the other thing was I saw reporting of, I assume it was you, but um, motivational clips being played before practices or before games, very much like he did here in Indy. So it seems like the Frank Vogel experience uh, just it, it continues on in a new way with Los Angeles. Is that the feel for you as well? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Coach, he, he is who he is, and he's going to – coach the way his style and you know he's a defensive-minded coach and uh, you know his, his approach is always the same and you know he likes to start meetings with a you know with some levity with a laugh and you know he'll yeah have, you know hey drew this is here's this funny video i want you to show the, before we get into our team film uh just to change the work uh, the flow up you know occasionally we'll do more, more motivational ones but a lot of the time it was you know let's uh you know every time we come together isn't always like a lecture classroom setting you know it, he wants to have fun. He likes to enjoy a conversation. And, uh, you know, that that's that's something that's he's taken everywhere with him. I think those would be some fun late-night texts, perhaps. It'd be like, hey, I just saw this. Let's add that to the queue um, for the next day. But then in, in a totally different way, I'm thinking about people like yourself um, and trying to, to grow and, and um, take on greater roles. And I think about the lost opportunity in many ways of Las Vegas and Summer League, and I remember, I think you had an opportunity, maybe it was in Orlando actually, but um, to serve as an assistant coach, and I've seen other Pacers um, in previous roles. Steve Ganzi, the Mad Ants coach, served as the the head coach for the Summer League. Well, what does that mean kind of to you and your others in your similar um, careers as you try to ascend up, and how much are you maybe missing out on that? I mean, for, for us, you know, being a video guy is all about um, – adapting to whatever situation you're in and trying to figure out the uh, best way to, you know, come out the other side. And this year that, you know, there was an opportunity at summer league. Um, but fortunately for me, you know, this is the first, since I was an intern, when we went to the Eastern conference finals, this is the uh, only other time that I had not only been to the playoffs, but made a deep run. And so, you know, the opportunity that summer league provides with, uh, you know, maybe you being in front of the team, presenting the scout instead of, just kind of being a supportive role, you know, that that's always missed. Mm -hmm. And then being able to network and make those connections uh, with different people, especially guys you've worked with in the past um, and seeing how they're doing now, what their systems are like, you know, what kind of uh, other video guys, if they have any, you know, really quality interns that, um, you know, are something we should look at if we have a position available. Like that's what, that's what summer league for someone like me is always great for. But I was thankful to be a part of a team that went so, had such a great run, yeah. And then to see the inner workings and behind the scenes of that was a uh, was tremendous. It was amazing. Did you do any kind of diary or anything? Do you even have time for that? Just to look back in twenty years about what you were able to take part in, and then ultimately end where everybody wants to end. You know, it's funny you say that. Um, that was something uh, Chad Force here always talked about. Was yeah, you know, just write write some stuff down, keep notes, uh, and the. Really, the only the only notes I'd take was I would write postcards home to like my my grandfather, and oh nice, aunts and uncles and people, and I would send those back like, hey, you know, here's what's going on right now. I'm in Orlando. We're getting ready to play this team. Blah blah blah. I hope you can watch it. Said, you know, you know, I'd send that off. But as far as me actually taking personal journal notes, it's it's something I need to improve on. Um, I would love to have a few, but um, you know, it was one of those things where you're just there's always something for you to do. So. Um, I, I my time was being spent uh, in other areas for sure. And by the way, I think back to your days with the Pacers, and I remember hearing Frank on an interview share how after you guys won, one of his first calls he received was from George Hill 
FaceTiming him from the locker room. Now, he's a little busy doing interviews, so he didn't get a chance, but those are some good days. I mean, you were just getting started out, Frank, in, in many respects, the same way. And to think someone like George reached out to him immediately. Did you? I'm sure you faced a similar scenario with former Pacer people reaching out to you as well. Yeah, and some of the former Pacer guys I still try and keep up with, and uh, a few of them because I've been on other teams uh, with them. You know, the uh, C.J. Watson was in Indy yeah. and Orlando. You know, Damo Rudic, very similarly. Um, you know, in, in Orlando, like, you know, you, the people that you – you know, work with, you know, every day before practice, you build a relationship with them, you know. Um, in Memphis, you know, I worked with Mike Conley and Nick Van Exel. And so whenever Nick uh, would be scouting a game, you know, he'd text me, hey, I'm at your game, come out and say hi. And i come say hi to him. And, you know, in the bubble, I went over and talked to Mike for a while. And, um, you know, those are the things that I remember the most about uh, being able to build, like, connections with good people. Yeah, because you go to the day to day and and go through the grind of the season and on the yeah it's a private jet but still you're probably working and cutting film on there. It's those texts and and guys reaching out both when you're not doing too well and when you win a title that I gotta believe those are so special and you probably haven't haven't even had the yep. time to go through all of them at this point. Yeah, I, I mean uh, I've been on both sides of you know winning and, and losing and. Um, you know, have people reach out to you and they see news on ESPN about, you know, someone, whatever the situation you're in, sure. you know, whether it's, you know, a change of coaching staff or different things, you got some people text you, you know, say, Hey, thinking about you, let me know if you need something, or if I can help. And, you know, that means just as much as, you know, the, the, the ones I got, um, you know, after we were able to win and, you know, that's, that's why I keep bringing up is making connections with good people and staying involved and, um, and, and networking with, with, you know, the right mindset, you know, you're not just connecting to someone to connect and say, Oh yeah, I sent him an email once, but right. was, you know, you actually have something that you can, you can draw life experience on. Clearly, like you said, kind of the video coordinator role is evolving, but um, maybe from the day to day type of thing, how has that changed the most from you just entering the league to, to what your current role is today with the team? What, what differently are you doing or the efficiencies in which you're able to go about your job? I, I mean, lucky for me, I, I've I've been with a, a lot of different organizations. I've been able to take bits and pieces of things I really liked as far as game prep, how a scout looks, the way, you know, what are the first things your eyes get drawn to. Um, you know, things have changed now this year. Like we used iPads for every every single one of our players. And our assistant video coordinator, John Pastoric, he did a really mm-hmm. good job. He managed that for the most part of the year. And he would, you know, if we're getting ready to play a team, he would put that team's last game, our last game, and uh, particular players' minutes on the iPad. And then we were able to send our scouts to a mobile app. And on top of being able to read, you know, keys to the game or read about what their top plays are, they could sit there and watch, you know, the opponent's full playbook if they wanted. Um, They could watch who their matchup is and extra clips on them. And those were things that weren't available when I first started. Um, But for me personally, this year, it was my first year as a head video coordinator, which meant that if anything went wrong, ultimately it was my fault. <laughs> it's on you, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No matter if, uh, you know, something super simple is, you know, asking uh, one of our interns to play a play a, an opponent game in the locker room beforehand, you know, and if I run back there and if it's not up or it's not running, like it's, you know, it's my fault that it's not going on. Um, you know, if, if uh, we're getting ready to show a pregame film and it doesn't work or like we said before about coaching his uh, extra videos, if all of a sudden we don't have a, you know, audio doesn't work right on it. 
you know, it's, it's my fault. Like I'm ruining the situation. Whereas, you know, if I do my job, right, it's everything goes smooth. Nobody notices anything. And you know, we're out to the court. Let's go play the game. Yeah. Out and of so sight. That was out of sight, out of mind. You, know, you want things to go smoothly right. and not hear, not be called upon too much. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Exactly. So that was, that was probably the most difficult part. Uh, and then that also, this also being our first year as a staff always presents new challenges. Um, because everybody's had different workflows with other teams or certain things that they've done. And uh, you just got to be able to adapt and work with different coaches and um, come up with the what's best. And, you know, that was obviously a huge thing that we had to do in the bubble was how we're going to get all this different film to everybody who's, you know, it's just a different, an entire different workflow. We're not all on the same bus. We're not all in the same room. We're not all on the same plane yeah. uh, going from city to city for, to distribute films. And so coming up with different solutions for that, um, you know, it's something that, you know, it's just what, what the job is and what you have to do. Is there a community, a Slack, a group text of many of the video coordinators throughout the league, just in general, not just inside the bubble? No, I, that's something that, um, you know, I, I, I still, in my current role, I still need to do better at is communicating with those, with other, other peers uh, in my role. The hard part is there's so much turnover and so much transition. Yeah. Um, you know, guys take new jobs all the time and move and whether they go to college or, you know, uh, get promoted and they're not in the video room anymore, or, uh, you know, maybe they're uh, with the G league as an assistant now, like it's, it's a very difficult thing to, to keep up with. And uh, that's definitely something I have to improve on going into next year. Um, not only for myself, but to introduce them to like our coaching associate interns and helping them grow. We're about a, rem- a month removed from you guys winning. Has it hit you like you were part of a championship team? You're going to get a ring. Like That's stunning, but also outstanding to me, I would think, for you. I mean, I, I agree. And, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's still crazy. You know, there are days where I walk into the facility and I'm just, I look over like out in the window and you see the Lakers court and you think, you know, how is someone like me here? And, um, but then you have to snap back to it because you got work to do and you got to get things done. Um, but you know, when you're a part of something like that, you realize how special, uh, you know, the players on the floor are, you know, the coaches who do the preparation, uh, you know, we had really good staff, really good team. This was whether we won or lost it was still one of the most fun years of my professional life because, uh, you know, everybody got to, it just worked really well together. That's a testament to coach Vogel and his style and, you know, letting, letting coaches do their thing and, trusting his staff and it was an amazing experience yeah that togetherness and cohesion is impressive considering like you said how much uh, newness and everything there were and now who knows when the new season's um about to start but do you get much time ever get back home here to ndc family go up to purdue well i actually you know we just saw the news about you know the nba can open their facilities soon and um you know they're obviously debating coming back early so as soon as i saw that i talked to coach i'm like hey is it cool if I go back, you know, from here to here? He's like, yeah, go for it. You know, if we, if we need to come back early, we'll obviously make adjustments, but, you know, uh, better go early than, than sit down and wait. Cause I was planning on coming back around Thanksgiving. Cause I don't think I've ever had a Thanksgiving uh, with my family since I graduated. Um, it's true. Yeah. So, but with the new, with the news that might come up early, I just booked tickets. So I'll be heading home Friday. Um, so my parents come pick me up 
and uh, get to go home for a little while, see everybody. That's outstanding, yeah, because otherwise, normally being in the middle of a season right now, and now you're able to at least get home, hopefully, for a, a week or two and, and see everyone. But I appreciate uh, yeah, you joining, yeah. man, Drew. Uh, really proud of what we've been able to see you first with the Pacers and then leave an imprint in so many different teams and then now be able to win a title with the Lakers. It, it's fun to watch from afar um, what you and Frank were able to do. Thanks, Scott. I really appreciate that. And, you know, it just helps me, uh, you know, you realize how lucky you are. And that's a, that's a huge piece of um, of being able to continue on in this uh, in this career is, uh, you know, there's a, an element of luck to it. And then just being able to be with the right people in the right situation at the right time. And, um, you know, there's I had a lot of good uh, mentors that encouraged me to continue on and uh, help point me in the right direction. So. Just feeling really lucky, feeling really blessed about everything that's uh, been able to happen for us this year. Thanks again to Drew for taking the time during his off-season, some rare off-season time to join the show. He did that just before flying back home here to Indiana to be with family, to get some family time in, as you heard him explain, because the season is just right around the corner. That will do it for this episode of the Fieldhouse Files. Previous episodes here included one with Jeff Sherman, a member of the Pacers stats crew who was down at the bubble sharing his experience. I talked about the hire of Nate Bjorkren with Raptors reporter Eric Corrine and what the Pacers should expect from this Nate. Also about the Pacers finishing the season, my one-on-one interview with Nate McMillan, and a lot more. My thanks to all of you who listened, and I'll talk to you again soon.